Mark your calendars! The ADCES 24 Annual Conference parades into New Orleans August 9-12, through 12, 2024. Registration opens March 26, but you can start planning your trip now. Get ready to seize opportunities to connect, learn, and optimize your diabetes care and education practice. Stay tuned for updates at adces24.org. Hello, and welcome to ADCES's podcast, The Huddle, Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. In each episode, we speak with guests from across the diabetes care space to bring you perspectives, issues, and updates that elevate your role, inform your practice, and ignite your passion. I'm your host, Kirsten Yale, the Research Manager at the Association of Diabetes Care and Education Specialists. Today, I'm joined by two leaders in the diabetes peer support space. Mila Ferrer and Mariana Gomez have over 50 years of combined experience helping people with diabetes get the ongoing support they need to be successful in managing their disease. While their work has impacted people with diabetes of all kinds across the globe, they're especially tuned into the Spanish-speaking communities of people affected with diabetes. They're here to share some of the new resources they're working on and some practical tips on how to leverage the value of peer support communities. Whether you have Spanish-speaking clients or just want to learn more about peer support communities yourself, this episode presents some valuable insights and resources you won't want to miss. Mila and Mariana, welcome to the huddle. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Hi, thank you. Well, we are so happy to have you both here, especially because we're talking about peer support communities. And these peer support communities have been such a hot topic in both the clinical and research space over the past few years. And you guys have both been involved really from at a foundational level, getting these started, and especially with the Spanish-speaking communities. So would love to hear a little bit about how you got started, you know, what really drove you, what inspired you. Um and maybe a little bit of background about yourselves. First of all, thank you for having us here. My name is Mariana. I am a diabetes educator. I am a psychologist. I graduated yesterday as a health coach. So I am I am happily uh, celebrating today. Congratulations. This, this new degree. Thank you. Uh, I was born and raised in Mexico City, and I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes back in 1984. I would say that my first encounter with peer support and with a, with a peer support community was probably uh, the first time that I attended a diabetes camp. Being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes in Mexico meant a lot of things back then, but the most important one was and probably still is the barriers that we face to access health and sadly also access to diabetes education, which is something that Mila and I have discussed over the years. My parents and I were both uh, our own diabetes educators. We learned from books, pretty much, like there was no other kind of support back then. And that, that is probably my first encounter with diabetes support in, in a community, like sharing books and sharing information with peers and learning from other children who were diagnosed at the same time that, that I was. So for me, diabetes education and diabetes community at first was something that did not have anything to do with online spaces, but rather with people and reaching out to people and community per se. Uh, then later, perhaps in the 90s, I discovered the internet and discovering the internet was a game changer for me and my diabetes because I could not only see and learn how diabetes was lived in other places, but I could also 
uh, interpret and translate this information and put into practice into my own practice. And that's how I met Mila. Uh, Mila and I have been sharing this personal goal of ours. And we always say in Spanish, of course, if we see this in English and in other languages, we have to see this in Spanish as well. So this has become a goal of ours just to provide people with this uh, support that we found ourselves to be so useful because we both recognize ourselves as being extremely privileged because we can read and understand other languages, but not everyone can. So that is perhaps what, what, what is motivating us to keep working every day. My name is Mila Ferrer. I was born and raised in Puerto Rico, a Caribbean girl. I am a mother of three young adults. My younger one was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when he was three years old. Today, he's 18 years. He's an athlete. And as Mariana mentioned, as parents, you want to learn as much as you can. My background was marketing. My background was nothing related with diabetes. I had no idea my three-year-old could develop type 1 diabetes. Thankfully, we had the internet. We had Facebook and Twitter. And Twitter was like my go-to place. I would start searching i would i was meeting other families other people living with type 1 and that's how we got started learning and understanding how us as a family were able to manage our son's type 1 diabetes the first five years it was a learning experience for us but then all of a sudden i was like i need to speak to someone in spanish i want to find people in twitter on facebook blogs in spanish And there were very, very few. Mariana was one of the ones, but she was not a parent. So I decided to create what is called Jaime Milurce Guerrero, Jaime, My Sweet Warrior, which is a blog where we shared since 2011 until today our lives with diabetes. And it's exciting because people have seen Jaime grow up on that page. And now he's in college. He's pretty independent. He's an athlete, as I mentioned. So it has been a great experience to be able to connect and to learn from other people. Now we know a lot of athletes with type 1 that we use as feedback, like, hey, we're having this issue. What can we do? Is there something that we can learn? Or we can also share tips that are working for us and Jaime. And as Mariana said, I am bilingual, but I know there's a lot of people in my country, in different countries, in Latin America and Spain, that might not have that ability. So if I can do that, if I can add that, that would be my contribution to the diabetes world, why not do it? And that's how I got into this world. I just, I dove in head first and I'm, I'm not leaving anytime soon. I think we have done a lot since I started. We have grown a lot, but there's a lot more that we can do. Oh, you guys, you guys are fearless. I love it. What I, what I love to hear is that, I mean, you have a gift, right? Because not everybody can speak multiple languages and you have a gift and you're giving back, which is just incredible to see. Okay. So you mentioned the 1990s, starting this blog, your marketing background. Now you guys are at Beyond Type 1 and Beyond Type 2. How has this evolution worked and, and what are you guys doing there? This has been and, and will always be a learning experience. We've been learning uh, while we work at the same time and we provide support from the community and the community, of course, provides support back to us. When we first joined the team, Beyond Type One's team, we saw this huge area of opportunity. At first, we saw that Beyond Type One was providing resources that did not exist in our language. Uh, daily life uh, information, how to handle amusement parks if you live with type 1 diabetes, uh, can we have a beer if we live with diabetes, how to handle uh, controversial topics like sex and diabetes, drugs and diabetes, alcohol and diabetes. And this is information that we do not discuss as frequently as we should 
in Spanish because of cultural aspects and stigma and others. So at first it was just a matter of us, us trying to edit the pieces because it is not only a translation effort that needs to be done, but we also have to take into account all these cultural factors and considerations. Like Hispanic speakers, we are at least covering 21 countries with 21 unique cultural aspects and cultural needs. So Google Translate is not going to solve the issue. We need to take this very seriously and provide people with the resources that they really need, considering their cultural background. So this has been, as, as I said, and I am afraid that I'll, I'll sound like a broken record at the end of the day, a learning experience for both of us. But we still think that we can provide more and we'll keep working as long as it is needed. And not only that, we serve over 20-something countries. We also have to take into consideration that food, it's completely different, like their diets and everything. Um, and for me, that was very shocking when, I, when we started sharing our experience um, as a Puerto Rican Cuban family, people were asking me, so what can I feed my kid? And when we, when I would share what we, they were like, uh, yeah, but we're from Guatemala or we're from Venezuela. So we also started learning. And this has been a great experience, as Mariana mentioned, because we noticed that not only we have to share what we know, but also have to see who we can use in different countries and help provide that messaging for people living from that country outside here in the United States or even in that country. So making sure that when we share, for example, holiday carb charts, we created one for our Hispanic community, like for the holidays, we started gathering and asking people from different countries, what are the typical dishes for holidays in your country? And we started looking for carb count and things like that, because we know like in the United States, you have one carb count with the food that a lot of people eat. But when you talk about Hispanics, you have many countries and many extremely delicious dishes that we want for people with, with diabetes to learn how to manage during the holidays. Because in Hispanic culture, food is something that is it's extremely close and related to love and family. So we just want to make sure that people know how to manage that. I love that, that it's related to love and family. That That, that just really hits... Okay, so you guys both said 21 countries. How do you make resources? Is it really making 21 different resources for 21 different cultures or countries? Well, yes and no. So we, we mostly try to provide resources that are not only interesting and appropriate for these different audiences with unique needs, but also reliable information. Because we know everyone can Google diabetes and the results that you'll get will point you to whatever different places and not always reliable sources of information. So we found that by no means we intend to replace formal diabetes education, but we understand and we have this very clear understanding that providing people with this very basic information might turn into diabetes education at some point, you know. People will have the information necessary to make adjustments and discoveries and reach out back to their healthcare team. So we, we want to motivate conversation and discussion among not only peers, but also working as a team with our healthcare providers. So I would say that this, this is just a matter of creating networks. We need to work uh, hand by hand with diabetes care specialists because we need them and they need us as well. We want to understand the unique needs of our population, but we also need support from healthcare providers. So that is pretty much what we've been doing. We are always working, like always listening to the population that we serve. Because as you said, 
each person has unique needs. Diabetes has a language of its own, and each person is living diabetes differently. So what makes us perhaps different is that we actually work with the diabetes community. As someone from the diabetes space some, someday said, nothing about us without us. So we take this very seriously, and we need to discover by asking people what their needs are. We are identifying gaps and then providing the information that we think and that we trust will serve them. And not only that, a lot of those members that we go back to ask questions are friends of ours. We know each other. Like a lot of us, we have never met online, but we feel that we know like forever and we've shared family stories, family experiences, um, and, and listening to them, like what's going on? What are the issues they are having? What questions do they have? Like, for example, um, some people might think, oh, why do we want to learn about the new insulin pump or the new CGM that's coming out in the United States? That's not here in my country. It, it's not today, but there's a lot of very talented and very eager people to, to help and support. We have lawyers. We have people in politics. Who knows what family or what parent It's going to step up and say, you know what, I am going to start this movement and we're going to have a CGM or and we're going to have insulin pumps in my country. And that's what we want to make sure people do. We share stories like that. We share the story from Chile that it was a patient movement that started and they got their insulin pumps covered. Now they are doing the same thing with the CGM. So there are things that can be done, but it takes a community. And if we work together, we are stronger. There's no point on Mariana going to talk to someone at the Congress by herself saying, hey, we need an insulin pump, but who's we? Uh, and if she goes with company, with doctors, everyone's going to be doing their part. We know that we, the patients cannot do it alone. We need your support. And that's why it's so important for us to be able to communicate and have great experiences with our healthcare professionals. It's all about that motivating conversations, right? That I heard you guys, that, that's what we're talking about, which is such a really neat way to put it, empowering and motivating. Uh, so can I, can I ask, you guys have alluded to it already, but you have some great resources out there. What resources are you guys working on right now or what resources are available? Well, we, we currently have two big web pages. It's Beyond Type 1 in Espanol and Beyond Type 2 in Espanol for Type 2 populations. Originally, we were just working with type 1 populations, but as you might already know, there is not a big number of people living with diabetes, sadly, in Latin American countries, sadly. We are now seeing more people each time. We are getting and gathering as a community because we didn't know where we were. We didn't know, unless we were very active on social media, we didn't know who, who, who these people were. Now we found each other and we are trying to work as a team, as a community as well, but we are now trying to serve also the type two population that they, they need a lot of information and they need better resources and now we are helping with them. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting because even though Mariana and I joined the diabetes world because of type one, there's a lot of type two. I have uh, family members with type two and I want to be able to also make sure that they have the information they needed. Like, for example, as Mariana mentioned, the programs that we have been working on, Get Insulin, we try to do everything in English and Spanish. Get Insulin, it's also available in Spanish. That's for people who are in need of insulin. They don't know how to get the discounts from the pharmacy and also the warning signs awareness campaign that is an extremely important. And it's very close to me because I feel like we are one of the lucky ones that my son was not diagnosed on the GAA. 
fact, when we talked to his pediatrician, as soon as I told her his symptoms, she told me I want to be wrong, but that sounds like type 1. Why she she knows that? Her sister lives with type 1. So his pediatrician gave us like the very specific instructions, go to the hospital, and she even explained what was going to happen. So the warning campaigns is targeting the general population. We as parents, we all know what, what the flu symptoms are. Now we know what the COVID symptoms are, but people actually do not know what type 1 warning signs are. And they're very clear. The kid is very thirsty. They lose weight. They go to the bathroom a lot. So we want to make sure that anyone that sees those signs on their kids or themselves, a family member, a friend, they can tell them, hey, you know what? Get your blood sugar checked. It might be type 1. Hopefully it's not. But we might prevent a DKA. And, and being diagnosed on DKA can be a very traumatic experience. So to prevent that, and we, we have that campaign in English, Spanish, we have posters translated in many different languages because this is a major issue, especially in our countries. So also there is a great tool that we just translated. It, it's not a new document. It's something that has been going around for a long time, but we just updated that document. It's in Spanish. Because what we want to do is make sure that people know what reliable resources we have out there. Not only we have a Beyond Type 1 in Espanol and Beyond Type 2 in Espanol, but as we mentioned, there's a lot of bloggers, there's a lot of great accounts on Instagram that share very good information. So that document, it's already available. You can find the link on the notes, on the show notes, download that and share that with your patients. We have that in English and in Spanish. The websites and resources are different, um, but we just want to make sure that as Mariana mentioned, if we have it in English, we also have it in Spanish. How are you getting the word out to people? I mean, are you working with the healthcare community, the healthcare professional community, or working with the public, or working with government and policymakers? Like, what what's been your avenue? Our dream would be to work with everyone. We need to work as a community. That's what the diabetes community is all about. It's not only people who actually live with diabetes, but it also includes you as healthcare professionals and diabetes care and situation specialists and people from ADA and people from different organizations. We need to work better as a team uh, because we, we actually have the same goal, which is helping people with diabetes live beyond diabetes. And we just want to make sure that that happens. And the only thing that we'll be able to do such a thing is providing people uh, with these resources that they, they, they really need. Uh, transforming diabetes information into advocacy so we can then reach out to the Congress or our governments, translating all this information into diabetes education so that we can have better uh, clinical results. I mean, there's, there's a lot of translation involved, and this does not only mean translating from one language to another, but also translating into human words and into behavior change. So perhaps I, I would say that our first step and goal should be working as a team. We know we are not the only ones involved here. The healthcare professionals, government, it's extremely involved, even though they don't know it yet. But we want to make sure that they know we exist. Whenever we are sharing what our barriers and whenever we say we need better access, we are not saying it because it's just something that we want. It's because it's for the better health of the community. Um, we see standards of care coming out that are including more technology. So we want to make sure that if you as a person with diabetes, you can get approved for an insulin pump or a CGM, you can go ahead and get that without having to go through many, many loopholes. And that's the best way we can do, sharing our stories, supporting 
organizations and trying to join forces, as Mariana mentioned, ADA, JDRF, ADCES, so we can work together and build a stronger platform whenever we have the chance to expose our needs to anyone that's able to make that change. This is a great time to really talk about what the um, diabetes care and education specialists can do for for the work that you guys are doing. How can we connect the diabetes care and education specialists to the peer support community, or how can the diabetes care and education specialists help do that translation that you're talking about? I think that I, I would summarize this as us, as people living with diabetes, we'll look for information on our own anyway. We'll Google because that's it's our life and our quality of life we're talking about. So we'll just look for the information on our own. How about us working as a team and you helping us discover those reliable sources of information? That would be step number one. And how about you come, come, come to us, uh, talk to us, let us know what your needs are and what your patient's needs are. We can help you discover resources that are reliable and you can help us also providing some information that might be easily translatable into different languages so that we can help people in better ways. But I would say that you'll help our peers in finding solutions to improve their overall health and we'll help you discover what our needs as a community uh, of people living with diabetes are. What is that we need? Uh, how can you help us? What's the information that we're looking for? How can you work on better resources? Let's work as a team. I would say that uh, that's, that's my summary. And I also think that it would be very beneficial for the healthcare professionals to see and to hear what people with diabetes are talking about in the real world. There are many, many hacks that we use on a daily basis that probably you don't know about. So I think it's very important. Like the diabetes online community, it's not a, it's not going to change or it's not going to remove the healthcare professional piece from our lives. It will never happen. But also for the community, it's important that healthcare professional understands that it's our life. As Mariana mentioned, there are many decisions on a daily basis and even though you would love to get your phone and call your doctor, there's no way you can do that. Um, and you have to troubleshoot on your own. And that's where the community comes in. You can ask, hey, I, my insulin pump is giving me this message. And you're going to get tons of answers. Oh, I did this, call there, use that. Um, and that's, that's the value of the community. But the healthcare professionals would really benefit if they listen to it, if they know what's going on, if they learn those tips and tricks, and maybe make them even better with their experience. Well, I know what I heard today was loud and clear, that idea of teamwork and community and nothing about us without us. Like to me, I just kind of want to write that down and post that on my, on my cubicle wall, you know, um, and just have that there all the time. We're almost to the end of our time, and I just want to throw this question out to you. What would be the calls of action you want to leave for our listeners? What, you know, what can we do? We would encourage people to visit es.beyondtype1.org and es.beyondtype2.org to visit our resources and provide us and send us their feedback. It is extremely important for us to know what you feel and what you identify our needs would be so that we could refer uh, people to these resources and that you could refer them as well. Uh, maybe not only prescribing the diabetes education and drugs and meds and insulin dosing, but also prescribing reliable resources and why not including us there. And I would also add join 
the community, participate, don't be afraid. A diabetes community, it, it's not only composed of people living with diabetes, it's it's all of us, it's healthcare professionals, people with diabetes, family members, friends, like anyone that at some point interacts or has anything to do with someone living with diabetes, type one, type two, gestational, whatever it is, it's part of that community. And we wanna make sure that when we talk about diabetes community, it's not like, oh, it's only people living with diabetes. No, we wanna make sure that it's everyone and we are sharing and we are talking the same conversations and we are learning from each other, which I, I think it's the end goal of the diabetes community in general. Well, you guys are both truly inspiring and I really appreciate you joining us. But I also wanted to note too, that we have the resources you mentioned, they're going to be in the show notes. I'll just repeat them for everyone. They're um, es.beyondtype1.org or es.beyondtype2.org. So thank you both for joining us. Hopefully we can do this again soon. We're looking forward to it. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Huddle. As we just heard from Mila and Mariana, peer support communities are valuable resources that not only bridge gaps in ongoing support, but also create a real sense of community and grassroots organization that enhance the quality of life for people with diabetes. We look forward to sharing all the new resources they develop with you once they're available, but make sure to explore the full range of materials they have available now at beyondtype1.org and beyondtype2.org. Make sure to answer the call to action and refer out to trusted peer support communities. If you're not sure which ones to trust, we have some great options to start you off in the show notes. We'd like to thank Mila and Mariana, not just for their participation in today's episode, but also for their help in updating and translating our peer support resources into Spanish. You'll find a link to that printable resource along with all the others mentioned in this episode at diabeteseducator.org forward slash podcast. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and may not be appropriate or applicable for your individual circumstances. This podcast does not provide medical or professional advice and is not a substitute for consultation with a healthcare professional. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions.